Sports Radio welcomes you to the Lion's Den with your hosts, Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. Oh, yes, you're listening to the Lion's Den here on Impact Sports. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Michael Heiger, and join with me, as every week, my co-host, Louis Bellotta. Hello, Heiger. Hello, hello, Louis. Chris, unfortunately, is not able to be with us this week. Because he stinks. He sucks. He stinks. No, but it's uh, finals week here at MSU, so everyone's schedules are a little bit more busy. Everyone ordering a little more Conrad's, drinking a little more coffee, and yeah, so Chris is busy with finals and work and everything, but he'll be back on our show uh, in the near future. But I hope you guys all enjoyed your week 14 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Woo! It was a very enjoyable game with the Lions being able to come out with the 34-17 victory over Tampa. And Lewis, last week, all three of us said uh, the Lions pretty much had this game in the bag. It was a lock. And they proved to us that they weren't going to play down to their competition. And they came out with a 17-point win. What What else did you see coming out of that game that really stood out at you the number one thing was the pressure on the quarterback I don't know if that's more the Lions or more how horrible their offensive line is but that was the game changer the complete another game changer the Lions defensive players actually came out and said that they felt bad for how badly they beat up on Josh McCown I kind of felt bad myself yeah uh that Monday morning he probably was waking up with a few extra bruises Thanks to Indomit and Sue, George Johnson got a few hits on him. DeAndre Levy, he was getting knocked around, and Sue especially had a couple of huge ones that a couple might earn a fine, might earn a few extra dollars out of his pocket. But we'll see. Lewis, did you think, uh, especially that first hit, do you think he's going to earn a fine from that? Yeah, that first one. I mean, if that was his first offense or his first offense. In a very long time, I don't think he would, but with his track record, yes, he's going to get fined. Yeah, well, we saw there were really a lot of great things to come out of that game statistically, too. Stafford going 26 for 34, second straight game with 300 passing yards, hitting 311, three touchdowns, no picks. And I think that's the biggest thing to come out for me, at least, on Sunday, were not just the three passing touchdowns, but... No interceptions. I know. That was a that was a great thing to happen to him. It, it shows that he can be composed, at least against bad teams. Mm-hmm. He, he won't make stupid mistakes. I mean, I, we'll see later on down the road if he can hold up against the better teams again. But it was nice not to see an interception. Yeah, and Week 14 also saw the return of several starters on offense and defense. We saw... Um, uh, Riley Reef come back, Larry Warford, Reggie Bush all take the field on Sunday. And Reggie Bush, here was a guy that people were looking forward to coming back in the offense, kind of taking the role that Theo Riddick really produced well in the last couple of weeks in Reggie's absence. But eight carries, 26 yards on the ground, and four catches for eight yards in the passing game. Very, very minimal uh effort out there from Reggie on Sunday. Do you think it was just uh, kind of shaking off the cobwebs a little bit, getting back out there on the field, or do you think this is Reggie's role in the offense now? I think this is age. 
I think it's cobwebs and age. I don't think Reggie Bush is the thousand yard rusher that he was last year. I think that was just uh it was a, a great deal of luck that that happened. Well, not luck. He has the talent, but it was it was very fortunate that we had him rush for a thousand yards. We won't see that again out of Reggie Bush. Um, he's to me now become a a situational player to me. He, I mean, he got a very important first down in that second quarter that led to a touchdown. Uh, I don't think Theo Riddick would have gotten that first down. It takes a veteran that knows how to stretch his body out and lean forward to get the extra yards, and that's something that Reggie Bush brings to this team that I don't think a lot of fans realize because they love to dog on him because he's not the Heisman Trophy winner that he was, or that he is anymore. So, yeah, I he was shaking off cobwebs, but I think he's just he's not the same guy. Running backs regress after about eight, nine years, and this is just what we came, we came to expect this. I mean, we don't want to face the reality, but this is what we have now with Reggie Bush, and I don't think we should cut him or get rid of him. Uh, also, if they did that, it cost them the same to keep or get rid of him, and I'd rather have him on our team. He's a good leader. He's a good veteran, and like I said earlier, he does he does those things like get the important first down. It may not show up on the box score, but that was a important that was a pivotal part for the team to, to go up by another touchdown on Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to watch because you know after a certain amount of years, this running back regression shows up. Some running backs is earlier, some running backs is later, and Reggie Bush is really in that time frame. Of he came into the league in what two thousand five two thousand six, so he's been in the league eight nine years now, and that's really when we see running backs start to regress a little bit. But what surprised me with the return of Reggie was Riddick was invisible. Theo Riddick was completely invisible on Sunday. Didn't get a single rush, a single catch, and if Chris was here, he'd be bashing his head on the table because I'm, I'm pretty sure. Chris has pictures of Theo Riddick all over his room. He's yep. Theo Riddick fanatic. But um, I was a little surprised that we didn't really see anything of Theo Riddick on Sunday. And do you think the Lions are going to try uh, using him more in the offense in the coming weeks? Or do you think now that Reggie's back, he's healthy, Reggie's just t- taking that rollback? I think Reggie's taking that rollback. Uh, Jim Caldwell said or after the game, you know, we just didn't have a place for him. We already had they got Joe Bell, they got Reggie Bush, George Wynn was in there for a little bit. Yeah, was, they just yeah. they just don't have room for him, and it's unfortunate because he definitely helped the team out when Reggie was gone. But that's just football. Yeah, I mean it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see how they really don't have a role for Riddick because I thought that especially in the pass catching game he was really effective. He was another target for Stafford out there, and. Even on the ground, he was able to get some good yardage. So I know that they don't, Caldwell doesn't think that they have room for him, but I mean, they ran with Jeremy Ross, George Wynn. They had a couple of rushes with them. I mean, I'd, I'd, I would, I'd be kind of surprised if we didn't really see much of Theo Riddick in the coming weeks because I think against Minnesota, Green Bay, the Lions, Chicago, they're going to be able to use him a little bit in that passing game also and maybe get some quality production out of him but I thought I think more than anything coming out of this game is the Lions could have they could have panicked they could have not really uh came to play against Tampa Bay but they did they did against a weak opponent Tampa's now at 2 and 11 and what worried me and I said last week was I thought coming out of the gate they weren't going to be ready for them and that it was going to be close at halftime. And, I mean, it was 17-10 to 10 at the half. But the entire game, the Lions really controlled possession. They controlled the game. 
And I think, and I think a lot of that lands on Matthew Stafford. Um, I think three touchdowns, zero interceptions. If you would, if you could have gone in that, in most of the games, we'd be talking about how great of a season he's having. So um, I think we're really starting to see some improvement from Stafford and him playing to the weaker defenses that he's played the last couple of weeks in Chicago and Tampa Bay. So um, real positive things to look forward to, I think, with this Lions team. Yeah, I think this just shows the point I made uh, a couple episodes ago, that the Lions are who we think they are, and they're exactly what you see on TV. They're going to beat the crap out of the bad teams. They're so much better, and they're going to beat the crap out of the bad teams. But with these average teams... They're just, the games are going to go down to the wire because they're so evenly matched, and they're not going to fare so well against the bigger teams. At least this part of the season, that's what they're appearing to be. So I don't expect anything different moving forward. Stafford will shine in these next few games against the subpar teams. But, I mean, hopefully they can get it get it together later on down the, down the road. I mean, it's almost as if the Lions have suddenly become predictable. Yeah. We, we used to say, you never really know what's going to happen with the Lions game, but... Lately, I mean, 6-1 and one at home this year, if they have a home game, you kind of assume that they are going to come Somehow away pull it out. Win. Yeah. And, I mean, they play they play up to t- worse competition. And, I mean, we don't even probably have to do a podcast the next few weeks because we already know it's going to happen the rest of the season. But of it course, is the NFL. I joke. It is the NFL. And we don't want to jinx them. No. And we don't want to miss out on doing more Lions Den podcasts. So oh, yes. no matter what, even though we already know it's going to happen, we'll still be here. You never really know what's going to happen in the NFL. But I think it's time for us to close the door on this Lions victory and look ahead to a couple of other topics that we have planned for the show. And, Lewis, I know that you have one that you want to revisit from a few weeks ago that we can get started with. If you want to go yeah, ahead. I will go into that. So right. a couple... Uh, during the bye week, we had a little buy or sell question, and I want to revisit a couple of the questions that we had brought, that I had brought up. One being, will Calvin Johnson surpass 1,100 yards on the season? And I, I said sold. yes. I sold. Oh, I bought it, I and sold it. I'm glad I bought it, because I think he's going to do it. Needs 218 more yards in the next three weeks to do it. And he and is versing, other than Minnesota, Minnesota has the sixth best pass defense. Chicago is 30th, Green Bay is 20th. I mean, Green Bay could not handle Julio Jones last night. Oh, Julio went off. He he got all the yards that Calvin needs in one in three weeks. Exactly. Yeah, so. I'm glad I bought it because I think he will surpass 1,100 yards and this team will have two 1,000-yard wide receivers for the first time since I can remember. Well, Golden Tate has eclipsed 1,100 yards now, and so it's going to be interesting. I sold this before, and usually I don't like to admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong. I mean, I, I, I'd be very surprised if he didn't reach it. It's roughly about 72 yards per game around there. And that's that's one quarter for him. Yeah, it's the first math I've had to do in a while, so um, I think I'm right around there, but... Um, Calvin can do that, like you said, in one quarter. I mean, that he that's how great of a over wide receiver he is. And I mean, he's a hundred percent healthy now, and the Lions are gonna be slinging it out there because they have nothing to lose. They need a besides a playoff spot, they need to win these next three games to possibly have home field advantage in the playoffs. So I mean they're gonna be throwing the ball to Calvin. Stafford Stafford's finally starting to click with his wide receivers. 
get a little more accurate out there. And yeah, he'll reach eleven hundred and possibly twelve. Yeah, and I, the other thing is, I hate seeing all these these articles coming out now that oh, the Lions are preparing to get rid of Kelvin Johnson after next season. He's too much money. He's old. He's brittle. He's falling apart. No, just stop with it. Everybody loves to predict these salary dumping situations that teams are going to do because they overpaid for a guy that they knew they were overpaying on, or they gave him too much money because they were paying for what he did, not what he's going to do. I mean, it's like people are jumping off a cliff because here he he was the probably the most talented player in the NFL, and now maybe he possibly he could be second or third. At his position now, instead of the best in the league, and and dear and, God, oh, that totally God. means to get yeah. rid of him. So the sky is falling. He's not the number. He's not the biggest beast in the NFL anymore, which you could argue he probably could still be. So, I mean, people overreact, and Lions fans, especially or fans in general of any team, they can get spoiled. And sometimes when their superstar talent goes down one notch, all of a sudden. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. It was the worst contract in the history of sports. And, I mean, I, I see the same thing as a Tiger fan also. Yep, Miguel, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera, Justin, Justin Verlander. Verlander. I mean, here you have these superstar talents in the city of Detroit, and sometimes you just have to sit back and appreciate them for what they are rather than worry about the contracts that they have. And, yes, maybe three or four years down the road we'll be looking at Calvin Johnson as – well, he's kind of outgrown his contract now. But at this point, I mean, come on, guys. He's still going to put up 1,000 yards on the season after missing three games. I mean, the guy, the guy is an unbelievable talent and probably one of the most talented wide receivers of all time. Is, the thing is that the one article I read, it's like, oh, the Lions are going to go for Amari Cooper. Are they really going to go for Amari Cooper? No! They, were, they weren't even going to go for Sammy Watkins when they only had to move up six spots. You think they're going to move up almost the whole league to get Amari Cooper? No. And you're not going to just... And he's not the next Kelvin Johnson. He isn't. He's not, he doesn't have the same speed. He doesn't have the same height. And we don't even know what he's going to do in the NFL. You can't just replace him all just like that. No, Atlanta's not going to part with Julio. Uh, I can't imagine the Cowboys are going to part with Dez. You're not going to get A.J. Green here. You're not going to get Denarius Thomas here. You're not going to get Antonio Brown here. You're not going to get these other top-tier wide receivers that are already in the league. And it's hard to find a replacement for somebody like Calvin Johnson. You have the time just because he's hurt every season. That happens. It's football. I mean, oh, oh no, he's hurt every... Guess what? He wasn't in for three games. They're still in the playoff race. The Lions do not need to worry about the top of the receiver core. What we said last week was maybe if they wanted to go out and look for a number three wide receiver, then we can start talking. Which I think they should. Which I think they should. Which I think what the Broncos did with Emmanuel Sanders this year worked out amazingly. And I think if the Lions were to do something similar, maybe not even a Golden Tate's caliber, but I would have to look at the receiver class for next year, which free agents are possible fits here. And I think that there are, I think that the Lions will look to probably upgrade at that number three receiver slot. Well, I like that you brought that up, Higer, because I have the list up on my computer. Oh, do you? There are the likes of Wes Welker. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Randall Cobb, not probably going to come here. Nope. Uh, we could get Reggie Wayne on an old discount. Ooh. Ooh. What about Cecil Shorts? Oh, Cecil Jim Shorts. Oh, yeah. Uh, the third. Oh, yeah. How about Darius Hayward Bay? Just kidding. Ugh. Uh, Jeremy Macklin may be a little pricey. 
Andre Holmes out of Oakland, though, he had a decent season. He did. He could fit in here. I mean, he had Derek Carr throwing to him. Which not a knock on Derek Carr. He's a rookie. No, but but I mean, he performed I, decent enough on a bad team. Matthew Stafford throwing to him, I'm sure, yep. help out a lot. Eddie Royal, Michael Crabtree, Brandon Lloyd. Just a few names. I think I Eddie Royal's an interesting one. I think they all could fit in quite well here. I think so, too. Um, I mean, it's a pretty stacked free agent class next year. Obviously, Des Bryant won't be coming here. Neither free will agent. Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin, you won't see in a Lions jersey. Randall Cobb, I don't think so. Wes Welker, though, you never know. Kind of falling out of the good graces of Peyton Manning over there in Denver. So, might need a bit of a change of scenery. And Santonio Holmes, a little old. Ooh, Santonio. Knows how to win the Super Bowl, Yes, at least. he does. But, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think he'd be... Good fit there at number three. I think I'd be happier with Corey Fuller, to be honest. Oh, I, I overlooked a name, a big name, actually. Uh, Chris Durham. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want Chris Durham on their offense? I so. know. I mean, Tennessee might not want him back. Yeah. It's iffy there. Real iffy. All right. Well, we let's go to this next buy or sell topic that okay. we had gone over. Will the Detroit Lions have a 100-yard rusher once this season? I said bye. We I- haven't gotten it yet. But we're getting close. We are. We're getting close. I thought Joyke was going to have it this week. Yeah, and I'm. I sit by too. And what's interesting about the rest of the season is we can actually compare now because he is playing three teams that he's already played before. We can look back at what he's done against these previous teams. So shall we? Ooh, yes. Um, we shall. Minnesota, who he is playing next week, back on October twelfth, week five, eighteen carries for seventy-four yards and a touchdown. Very good game. Yeah, Very not respectable. Bad. Yes. Probably the best defense going forward that the Lions are going to be playing. Yeah, and they only have the 23rd ranked pass rush. Which is I mean, pretty bad. I mean, uh, not pass rush. I'm sorry, rushing defense. Rush defense, of course. Chicago. November 27th. No. Oh, continue. On. No, go. Okay. Go. November 27th, Thanksgiving, Chicago. Real recent, 23 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. His highest yardage total of the season. And then you look at Green Bay, September 21st, week three, in their 19-7 win, 15 carries for 33 yards, and a whopping long of five yards for his longest carry. So those are their three matchups for the rest of the season. And... Got to look at it now as can he improve on any of those and eclipse 100 yards? I still think he can. I still think he can. Do you think he will? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I just... These 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 are all subpar, the middle of the road, below average defenses against the rush that they have remaining. I mean, two of the games are outdoors. I don't think it matters. I... It's going to happen. There's no way it, it can't. I can't see it ever. I, I'm i stumbling over my words, but he's going to get it, dang it. Um, You didn't mention that the games are outdoors, and that kind of factored into my decision because if it's going to be snowing out there in Soldier Field, Lambeau, they're going to be running the ball. Yep. So I think he's going to get it at Soldier Field week 16. I don't know if it's going to snow or not, but, I mean, the Bears are that bad of a defense. Almost got it a couple of weeks ago. I think he'll. I think he'll get it. I do too. So it's pretty solid. Pretty solid. I lost my train of thought. But I will say though, <laughs> pretty solid prediction. Oh yeah. My gosh. Finals, man. 
I, Finals. Okay. They're rough. They're rough, everyone. Let's but power through here. I will say, though, Bell has improved the last five weeks um, from where he was at the beginning of the year. In leaps and bounds. By leaps and bounds. And you just look at his yards per carry. Four out of the last five weeks, he's reached over four yards per carry. 4.4 against Miami, 6.1 against Arizona, 4 against Chicago, 4.6 against Tampa. Keep on running the ball with Joe Week. Just keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on. He is a workhorse. Keep on feeding them the ball. So, one other piece of news to come out from this week was James Hegdebo was interviewed on a radio show. Not the Lions Den. Would have been pretty cool if he came on here. But it was another show where he said... He and Glover Quinn were the best safety duo in the NFL. And it made me think about it. And I never really thought of them as the best safety duo of the NFL. But statistically, they're right up there this year. Yes, they are. They really are. And, Lewis, I know that you were looking up on those stats. And, I mean, do you really think that they are the top? Safety duo in the NFL? I don't think they're the top, but they're up there. They're top five. Yeah. They're definitely top five. You have to say they're top five. I mean, they have right now, Glover Quinn is tied for second with five interceptions on the season. James Ahegdebo is tied for fifth on the season with four. Um, Of any teams on this page of interception leaders I'm currently looking at, only the Cleveland Browns have multiple players within the top 20 players listed, and that is Tashawn Gibson leads the NFL with six interceptions, and Buster Screen is tied for fifth with four <laughs> interceptions. Buster Screen. It is interesting. It's yeah. S-K-R-I-N-E. S-K-R-I-N-E. It is a weird way to spell screen, but there yes. you go. Um, so I think before James Hegdebo should go out talking about how he and Quinn are the best safety duo in the NFL – he should know when to kneel the ball in the end zone after yeah. an interception. Yes, he should. I almost threw my remote at the TV while watching that. It was hard to watch. It Here. was. I thought he was going to kneel. He ran around too much in the end zone. I was. Ugh. I I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know. Maybe he, I couldn't tell if he didn't know that he caught in the end zone, or maybe he saw a hole. But then when you do that, at least hold on to the ball. Ugh. And that just that whole sequence of events. Just everybody went downhill. There were stupid flags. Stupid. Oh, it was just whole, so bad. But yes, James, kneel the ball next time. Kneel it. Uh, but I think best safety duo in the NFL. Got to give it to the Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. They're I mean, if we're dynamic. going talent wise, yes. If you're if going, going talent wise, I mean, also Arizona, uh, Rashad Johnson. And Antonio Cromartie, along with Tyron Pat- Matthew, too. Tyron Matthew. I mean, that is a great secondary. Although yeah. they haven't put up the numbers this year. If we're going by uh, just a talent based, just the eye test. I mean, I would say Arizona, Seattle, the Lions, and Cleveland. Yeah, I've got to look at Kansas City too. I know he is in an unfortunate situation right now, but Eric Berry also over there, um, and Abdullah. Um, I believe it's. Getting his first name over there. I know it's Abdullah. Hussein Abdullah, I think it is. But, um, yeah, Kansas City's got a pretty strong one out there also. So, I definitely wanted to say Quinn and Hegdebo are the best. but They're top five. Yeah, and he really caught my attention this week because I've never even thought of them as top five. I've thought of them as a decent safety duo, but, I mean, they, they have been putting up the numbers this year, and they haven't really been recognized for that. And right now, how glad are the Lions that they didn't re-sign Lewis Delmas. Whew. 
Yeah. Out for the year torn with a torn ACL, ACL that would have just been a, a just deja vu again. Just like every single year yeah. he got hurt. And you got to feel bad for the guy. I obviously loved him. Oh, yeah. He was in a Lions uniform, but... He was I one mean, of my favorite players. It's just unfortunate that he's made of glass and paper. Yeah. You just got to look at it in hindsight and say, thank God that didn't happen. Yep. So, yeah. We are going to move on to now... Our preview for the Lions week 15. I can't believe it. It's already 15. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Week 15 against Minnesota on Sunday, the 14th, uh, day before my birthday. Day after my birthday. Day after yours. What? Got some Lions Den birthdays in here. Lewis, are you turning what? 21, 22? 23. 23. Oh, you're an old, you're an old I man. Know. I'll, I'll be turning 22. But, um, yeah. It'll be fun, and we'll have some Lions football to celebrate right in between. Uh, Minnesota on December 14th. Uh, Lewis, I know that we've been talking about how, I mean, these are all, this is all poor competition moving forward, and the Lions basically have these games locked up. But Minnesota is one of those teams that... They're pesky. They are pesky, and they've been winning a few games of late. They've won their last two against Carolina, who beat up on the Lions, and they did beat the Jets in overtime. And I know it's the Jets. The Jets are awful, but they're finding ways to win games. And they held tough against the pa- against the Packers Week 12 also, only losing by three. And I think it's a pretty strong defense over there in Minnesota. The offense obviously has some question marks in the run game, in the, in the pass game. But is this a game that the Lions have any reason to worry about? Well, I mean, it's the NFL, so you always got to worry a little bit, but I don't think they have to worry all that much. The uh, last big loss that Minnesota had uh, weathered was against the Lions, 17-3, back in Week 6. I just see it happening again. I mean, yeah, they played the Jets tough. They played Carolina tough, and those were wins. Even the losses against Green Bay Chicago, and then the wins again against Washington and Tampa Bay. I, they just go through the whole list. Buffalo, they played them tough. I mean, you got to go to New Orleans and New England in weeks two and three to find a, a time that the game, the team really broke down. Uh, I think they're, they're pesky. Their defense is they're pretty stout, especially against the pass sixth in the league. But when you are 30th in passing, against a top-five defense such as the Lions, you're going to have a tough day. Yeah, and, I mean, the real strong point of this team is their pass defense. They've got pretty strong secondary. I know the big name out there is Harrison Smith, the safety, but they've also got a few other key players out there. But, I, I mean, they really, since they've played the Lions week six, they haven't played anyone of the likes of Calvin and Tate. And won a ball game. And they didn't even have Kelvin the first time they played him. They didn't. It's just one of those things. It was the game probably could have been a little bit more wide open if Kelvin was there. So I want to know what you think is more likely. That the Lions score more than seventeen points next week, or they give up more than the three points they gave up last week. I mean last time they played to Minnesota. They'll give up more than three points. Yeah, I think they'll give up more. They have that guy. Uh, what is, is is it? Chad Johnson? Is it Chad Johnson? I think number it's Charles. Char- Johnson. It is Charles Johnson. Yes. You're right. I don't know where this guy came it's from. Chris Johnson, Chad Johnson, yeah. Charles, Calvin Crit. Johnson. Yeah. There's so many Calvin. C Johnsons. But anyways, I 
I mean, they finally have a weapon to throw to. Cordell Patterson has been a disappointment all, yes. all across the board. What a talent. That's just gone to waste. Oh, yes. I feel, I kind of feel bad for them because uh-huh. they, they had high hopes for him. And, I mean, he probably had high hopes for himself, but it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. And so to get a guy like Charles Johnson going, I mean, it's got to be promising for them. And it's, you know, it's just one of those little sparks that the team will get that will give them that touchdown that they, that they didn't get in week six. Yeah. Um, I think... I know they won 17-3 week six. I, I do think the score will be very different from last time because teams change. Back in week six, really the guy who was carrying the load for Minnesota was Jarek McKinnon. He's on IR now, out for the season. So it looks like we're going to get a dose of Asiata and Ben Tate. And Woo! Teddy Bridgewater's got a few more games than him than he did. I believe the Lions game might have actually been his first his start. His first full. Yeah, his first full start. So, very different team than the Lions played in Week 6, and the Lions are different, too, from where they're at right now, from where they were back then. So, I think it's time for us to get into our score predictions for next week. And, Lewis, I'm going to start with you for the Lions Week 15 matchup. Detroit-Minnesota, Go. Well, of course, it's going to be another Lions victory. It'll be uh, 30 to 10, Lions. 30 to 10. This is the first time I think I've predicted the Lions to go over 21 points in so, the season. I'm curious how they reached 30. Did they get three field goals or four touchdowns and a safety? Three field goals. Three field goals and three touchdowns? Yep. Okay. I'm going to go. Also with a Lions victory. Oh, that was so pathetic. A Lions victory. There we go. There we go. Gotta, yeah, got to get a little enthusiastic <laughs> for this show. Got to turn up. But I'll get the Lions the... Well, I should have thought about this before. Oh. The 31 to 10 win over oh, the Minnesota just, Vikings. What is it? The price is right? <laughs> you one-upping me just a little bit? Yeah. And Chris actually texted me his score... He said the Lions are going to lose forty-two to three. No, he did not. No, he did not. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming Chris, wherever he is, thinks the Lions are going to win. Haven't been many weeks that he's picked the Lions to lose, and he'll still be upset with Joel Lombardi. Yep, he will still be upset with Joel Lombardi. With Theo Riddick at zero carries and zero catches again next week, but that's going to do it for our show. Lewis, thanks for coming on. And, thank you. Yep, and I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you guys enjoy your holidays, your Hanukkahs, your Christmases, Kwanzas, whatever you're celebrating. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzas. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzas. We will be back next week recapping the Lions' hopeful win against the Minnesota Vikings and look forward to their Week 16 matchup at Soldier Field against the Bears. Once again, I'm your host, Michael Heiger, joined by Lewis Bellata. And like always, Go Lions! Go Lions!